when you look at the news headlines of today and you see war, economic upheaval, and all the anger and all the hatred, does it seem like we are in the end times? This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And I welcome you to the weekend edition of Truth to Ponder. And I'm your host, Bob Bierman. You know, these past several days, I've been thinking about some of the strange news stories that we we deal with, we look at, we discuss each and every day on this program. And I have to wonder, have we crossed a line? Are we so far gone as a people that there is no turning back? Could these be the end times? Many, many of you believe that we honestly are in the final days, and I'm not saying that we are not. It is very probable. It is very possible. But I'm not going to base everything I do in my life at this point thinking that it's going to be over any day now. I'm still going to be wise enough to plan that our Lord may tarry a decade, a century, a millennia. We don't know. I'm sure that it's easy to make the case that we're getting, well, we're getting closer at a minimum to the day that that Jesus does return. I, I will admit that. And of course, every day that we go by, we are, in essence, getting closer. But something seems to have changed. And this change has occurred in my lifetime. Maybe maybe I didn't see everything before. Maybe I didn't notice a few things in the past. Maybe the fact that we only had three TV channels and maybe one newspaper back in the day to get our news and maybe a little five-minute broadcast on a radio station. We really didn't get the depth of news in the entire world that we can today with the 24-7 news cycle. And one thing I have come to conclude over the years is that even back in the 1970s, the 1950s, the 1920s, that many of the news stories were still being manipulated. Despite governments throughout history have tried to control the narrative. They've tried to suppress any dissenting voice. And we're seeing that on an unprecedented scale in the United States. And now they're, maybe they did it covertly or secretly years ago, but now it's just right out in the open. We know here in the United States, for example, in the United States, we had government colluding with big tech tyrants that are basically nothing but fascist entities that have gone into bed with the leftist government in this nation to become rich, wealthy, and protected. Let me say that again. Companies like Google, Yahoo, Amazon, Amazon Web Servers, all the big tech companies that you find in Silicon Valley, Facebook, which I often call fascist book. Twitter used to be really bad. Today, I'm still, uh, but the verdict is, the jury's still out on that verdict of, will it continue to be a true free speech forum? Instagram, all of it is so controlled. And, and we find out agencies of the United States government were setting up close-knit communications with these companies saying, suppress this speech, shut that person down, deplatform this individual all unconstitutionally. 
And the fact that there was actually a judge that put a stay on this, allowing this to continue from the Biden White House to the tech firms to suppress and violate the First Amendment of the Constitution. The fact that that happened shows we have judges that are intellectually, spiritually, legally, academically bankrupt. They're pawns of the deep state. They're pawns of power brokers. They are not people that can be trusted. And either are the government officials that demanded to control narratives on things like COVID-19 and vaccines and what have you. We all, we all know that. Saw New York Magazine, of all places, had an interesting story just the other day. Even though three and a half years late, New York Magazine published an article called COVID COVID lockdowns were a giant experiment and it was a failure. Well, how about that? Yet you still have people in government in the United States and in Canada and otherwise that they're still pushing that it was okay. Of course, some are saying, forgive us for we did not know what we were doing. Yes, you did. There were tons of legitimate voices out there, respected voices, people that had degrees and doctorates in the field saying, not so fast on the way you're doing this, not so fast on these vaccines, and you refuse to listen. And face diapering became a political statement. Lining up to get vaccinated to be attending a college became a political statement, had nothing to do with health. You can't prove to me that one life was ever saved by the vaccine. Can't prove it. But we can prove that many were taken. And so New York Magazine is beginning to turn the tide because they've tried to hold up the narrative until recent days. What we're learning is the public is beginning to get wise. Have you noticed all these news stories of late? Died suddenly. In the hospital, unexplainedly. We didn't expect this. Let's put it this way. SADS, which is Sudden Adult Death Syndrome, or people suddenly having medical emergencies, is climbing at a horrendous rate. But we're never allowed to talk about it. Oh, no, 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 it can't be the vax. It's got to be something else. We don't know what that something else is, but we know it can't be that, even though it points to it every time. Let's think about some other mistakes that have occurred where the media has tried to go with the flow, control the narrative. Back in the early 2000s, how many of us were led to believe that Iraq was part of the axis of evil that caused 9-11 and turns out all that was a lie yet how many people had to die in a needless war for a needless reason and everybody hopping on board for that on both political sides john mccain finally figured out a little later on when he said well it was a big mistake but he never learned a lesson he still never found a war he didn't want to jump in We, we have, let's put it this way. How do, I, how do I say this and make sure you understand it? It is hard to give you accurate information on any topic anymore. 
because the government is now in bed with the mainstream media that provides most people their news and or Facebook, where sadly too many people are actually getting their news from Yahoo and Facebook. Give me a break. They're journalistically bankrupt. If you want to know all about pop culture and lies, then go to the mainstream media. That's all they're good for. And even some of the conservative media, like Fox News, they're allowed to function within parameters they can never cross. God forbid they cross those parameters and actually get to the depth of a real news story. You know, when you're making mega millions of dollars a year and you're like, well, I was reading like Brett Baer and his $35 million mansion in Washington, D.C. Yeah, he's in touch with the average American. Yeah, like Sean Hannity's in touch anymore. No, he's a mega millionaire making mega millions, gets a lot of days off per week to travel and do whatever he wants. You know, anytime, let me let me just say this. Anytime I get an email from any of these so-called cons, uh, conservative news outlets, and there, I, I do get a lot of emails. Most of them I just delete, especially when it says, Sean Hannity says the banks are, if the second it says, Sean Hannity says, delete, he's making money off fear. And I'm sick of it. I'm sick of people doing that on the conservative side. But the truth is, we do have problems we have to worry about. There are things happening we need to know. We are coming into a time where the lies are becoming easier for the mainstream media to just belch out electronically and over the Internet. And finding truth is becoming increasingly difficult with artificial intelligence beginning to write much of the narrative faster than we can read it, it's going to be harder and harder to sort out fact from fiction. And that's why there's some things that are on my mind on how we need to respond, how we need to live, the things we need to be doing. You know, quickly, I want to take a little, I want to take a little journey for just one moment. Saw this one little news story that probably got missed I'm sure some of my audience in Canada would, would understand. But this one, in its own little way, speaks volumes. Sadly, my neighbor to the north, Canada, has been drifting farther and farther to the left and really into societal insanity. I'm just telling you, it's not great up there. I used to go to Canada, oh, about 50 years ago, and it seemed even a more free place than the United States did at the time. I really enjoyed my time there. But you want to know, Canada went COVID crazy. I mean, really COVID crazy as a nation, even more so than the United States. And some provinces even worse than others. But overall, the country of Canada went COVID crazy and literally insane. Of course, you are led by a reprobate pretending to be your prime minister. Just like we have a complete moron in the White House, both with the president and the vice president, they're intellectually, morally, and spiritually bankrupt. 
And they were all in on lockdowns and face diapering and every other stupid thing that could ever come across. Well, this little story came out of Canada the other day. I think it came out on on Tuesday. And and it talks about from draconian COVID-19 lockdowns to small town lockouts. Now, here's what you need to understand. You remember what happened with Pastor Artur Pulowski, a Polish immigrant to Canada. He's a pastor, a Baptist pastor. And, and he opposed these insane, unscientific, draconian lockdowns. You can't go to church, but you can go to a strip club or a, or, or a liquor store, but you can't go to a church. This is how stupid it got in the United States and Canada and worldwide. And I'm still seeing that going on today in the minds of many people that have been literally put into abject fear over even attending a church anymore. I think I mentioned several days ago. Now, some of you weekend listeners may have not heard this, but ran into a gal having lunch with with a friend of mine here in Virginia. And this, we were outside, you know, just talking before we went our separate ways. And this lady I did not know came up, knew who my friend was, and they were talking for a few minutes. And she's making the claim, you know, I still don't go to church because, you know, that's where COVID lives. But she's going into restaurants and grocery stores and everything else. But church is now off limits. The recriminations and persecutions are still raining down on Arthur Pulowski. He was supposed to speak in a little town called Ramara, Ontario. And the township chained the doors of the public venue just two days before the scheduled date, despite a prior signed contract. Arter Pulowski of Calgary, uh, of Calgary delivered his speech outside the library protesting the event's cancellation. And residents braving the cold came out and vowed to withdraw their support for the mayor in the next election. Now, why was it? They, they were claiming they had to clean up because of COVID. It's a COVID lockout, just local, because, you know, there could be some COVID in the library. So we had to shut it down for a couple of days to get the COVID out. You know, and I know, that was nothing more than an absolute lie. Let's bring some sunlight into this. Pastor Pulowski is still being persecuted and openly discriminated against three years later after he took his courageous stand against what he called Nazis coming into his church with their little face diapers on. And all the, you know, there was never any medical reason for any of the stuff that they did. It was all a lie. You know it and I know it. And here we are. Three years later, I'm waiting for it to be resurrected from the dead, lockdowns and mail-in ballots and everything else here in the United States. I don't put anything past the evildoers in our government any longer. Worldwide, globally, I don't care where you live. We are now ruled by the most evil individuals and liars you can possibly imagine. The folks now that thought they could pull off this little stunt in Ramara, Ontario, 
Well, they don't want to answer to anybody. They're hiding because they're cowards. They always were cowards, always will be cowards. And nothing would make my heart feel better to watch their political careers go up in smoke. They're, they're not going to give it up. They're still angry. They're still angry that their control over your life. You know, even, even the pastor using his guaranteed Canadian constitutional rights still ended up in jail for 60 days for the Coutts border blockade in 2022 with these fraudulent counts of mischief being, you know, mischief and breaching a release. I mean, no. He was sentenced to 60 days, but he'd already had 60 days in, so he had zero days left to serve. The Crown prosecutors said his impassioned speech to the truckers fanned the flames of unrest. No, the government did that on their own. They did it willingly and knowingly as they tried to control the narrative and lie to the people to hold them. It. I'm telling you, this was nothing more than a big experiment. It really was. To find out how far the government could put fear and control over the populace in every industrialized Western nation. They gave us fraudulent death numbers, fraudulent case numbers all the way through. Uh, There's no doubt in my mind about it. I know people that say, well, I had a relative die of COVID back in 2020. Were you allowed to see him? Well, no. How were they treated? Well, they were, he was on a ventilator. Why didn't they deal with the bacterial pneumonia? The ventilators are not used for bacterial pneumonia. I almost lost a friend of mine in early 2021 that had it not been for the wife and a son and a lawyer, the person would have died in the hospital. They got him out got him the monoclonal antibodies, and he recuperated quite rapidly. He would have died otherwise. He was on his way to death. That's how sick our nation became. And and there's still people that are delusional about COVID-19. You know, Pulowski told the Toronto Sun that he drew the line with police coming in with guns in his church. This is a place for worship and no place for weapons. We have people praying here. They're scaring the kids. This is the Passover season. This is Easter. Calgary police said there was concern because they're not adhering to the government's strict public health orders, which were all garbage to begin with in based in phony, fraudulent science. It was all a lie. The treatments were a lie. The vaccines are a lie. The lockdowns, now they're, because the overwhelming evidence is out there, they're beginning to pivot saying, don't blame us. Oh, please just be more loving and compassionate. I can imagine there was a guy last week on one of the TV shows saying, you know, give us some grace and forgiveness. For we knew not what we did. Yes, you knew exactly what you were doing. There were too many experts. You were having Facebook and you were having Yahoo. You were having every mainstream media call them a kook and a nut, dismissing them, mocking them. And they were the ones telling the truth the entire time. And you knew they were telling the truth. 
but you went along to overturn elections, to take control, to just destroy the economy. You wanted to be a part of the great global reset. And now we see another part of this playing out. We see wars and rumors of wars. We, we are seeing things today. I know they've been going on since the beginning of time, the heart, the evil heart of man. And, and, I, and I wake up some nights and I think, how can we, with all this great technology, all the wisdom of the world at, at our fingertips, still be so, well, screwed up and so sinful, so hateful, so mean, so just horrid? How can we be so deviant sexually and morally? with all that we have been given and all the blessings that we have just taken and trashed. We are definitely coming into a time where there's going to be some big changes. I look at what's happening with the warmongers here in the United States and globally that make profit off of war. Wars and rumors of wars, earthquakes in diverse places just the general moral rot you find in government and within the people. I had this little vision the other day. As many of you know, I launched a small church here in Virginia. And some Sundays, it's not easy. Starting out with nothing, you have a handful of people. And some Sundays when there's illness or or conflicts, it's slim pickings, as they say. And I will tell you that last weekend, it was really hard on me. Wondering, you know, am I doing the right thing? Am I wasting my time coming to this church? Am I wasting my time doing this radio program when it barely gets supported and I barely hear from people anymore? Has life gotten that so bad or or people just walked away and thrown their hands up? Maybe I should consider giving up. There are times that I think about it. But then I had this very strange dream the other night. And I knew I was at my church building, but the building seemed bigger. And I saw a lot of people sitting in the pews as I'm looking from the back. Even some that I knew were clergy and church leaders. And there was a lot of people in there. The media room where we control the cameras seemed bigger and a lot more going on. And I can remember walking into the church and then turning toward the people and there was nobody there except many cameras, more cameras than we have now. And I'm going, Lord, what does this mean? What does this mean? Is this church going to be prepared for the next lockdown? And it's going to come. It's going to either be climate or it's going to be COVID or something. You can be rest assured that day is coming. But I will tell you this much, and this is important to say. We will keep attempting to stay on and do this radio program on shortwave radio where the airtime is not free. We will still be there as a podcast. We will be there with some other things that I'll be announcing shortly. We're going to keep trying. I'm not giving up. There are times I want to, but I'm not giving up. The church, some some Sundays, it's like, do I really want to do this another week? Am I wasting my time? Or is the message getting through? Had a couple of emails that told me 
the same day I'm thinking that, that yeah, we are getting through people I never heard from before that are actually watching. So would you consider supporting this ministry? We need your financial support for this month, the worst we've ever needed it. If you can help us, you can support us from the website, truth2ponder.com. There's a tab for support or make a check or money order payable to Ancient Word Radio, Ancient Word Radio, Post Office Box 510, Post Office Box 510, Chilhowie, C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E, Chilhowie, Virginia, and the zip code in Chilhowie is 24319, P.O. Box 510, Chilhowie, Virginia, 24319. And we will be right back. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. The wrong name coming up. Shalom Aleichem. This is Jonathan Kahn, the nice Jewish boy, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift you're really going to love. Now, in the ministry, I sometimes remember people's names, you know, but I, I meet so many people. I often forget names in a rush or I'm at the door after a service. A woman comes up to me and says, oh, hi, Sally. No, no, no. Oh, hi, Betty. Hi. Don't tell me. No, hi. You know, and it can be embarrassing. Well, it's not unusual for me to call somebody the wrong name, but God has the same kind of problem. See, God often calls people by the wrong name. In Matthew 16, 18, he calls Simon, he calls him Peter or Kepha, the rock. Clearly the wrong name for Simon. If anything, Peter was not a rock. He calls an old man with a barren wife. He calls him Avraham, the father of the many. He calls a lot of people by the wrong names. He calls Gideon, you know, he speaks a man of valor. That's it. You see, when you're still struggling and falling on your face, he calls you victorious. And when you read things in the Bible that you're like you're a royal priest, a holy, you're tempted to say, God, I think you got the wrong person. But he knows, he knows, and it's not correct. But isn't it great? God calls you by the wrong name. It says, it says, we are to have the same problem. Learn to call people by the wrong name, names that don't fit the present reality. If you're just calling them what they are, you're just reflecting what is. But speak in faith. Speak in faith. Speak to them. Learn to call the weak in God strong, the struggling in God victorious, the battered down prevailing, the impure pure. And you know what's going to happen? The old man actually becomes the father of the many. The shaky apostle becomes a rock. You'll become victorious and they'll become blessed. Learn the secret of speaking and receiving the wrong name into your life. And in God, it will become the right name. Want more? Ask for Be Ye Imperfect on CD. Now, how'd you like to be able to move mountains? Well, you can with Sapphires, the super spiritual supplement to turn your walk into a super life with God plus the incredible mystery of the temple doors on CD all free how do you get your free gifts just remember Yeshua Jesus real Hebrew name and call it for receive your free gifts just call 1-800-YESHUA-1 you will be blessed but call now that's 1-800-YESHUA-1 I invite you to join me in the Great Commission to bring salvation back to the Jewish people and God will bless those who bless them and to reach millions of unreached peoples around the world through shortwave radio it's amazing the farthest way ever just call 1-800-YESHUA-1 that's Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. Or you can write me direct. Here's how. Just write to the nice Jewish boy at Box 1111. It's in Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey. The zip 07644. That's Box 1111. It's Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, and 07644. Till next time, this is Jonathan Khan saying, Shalom Aleichem. Peace be to you, my friend, in Messiah Hashem Adonai, the name of God. This is is truth to ponder 
with Bob Bierman. And welcome back to part two of our weekend edition of Truth to Ponder. And I am your host, Bob Bierman. Before we leave Canada behind, I want to share a little tiny audio clip of a couple of people talking outside of that library where Pastor Pulowski was locked out, where they couldn't have their meeting, where the cowards in Canada, oh, they they were shutting down free speech. They may have been poking the bear a little bit too much because I'm praying that when I listen to this, maybe, maybe in Canada, the tide is beginning to turn. It's politics. It's it's dirty politics is what it is. If it was a drag queen story hour. Oh, right, or Black Lives Matter or Antifa. Oh, stand back, everybody. Let them in. But you've got good, friendly, freedom-loving people. They call it political. There's nothing further from the truth. It's not political. They're being political, stopping the people from having free speech. We don't we live in a democracy? Apparently not. We're in tyranny now. We're on our way to communism. What you're doing is not good, Basil. If you want to get ahead, you don't do it by snuggling up with the United Nations. They're an evil corporation. We've got to get out of it. Next thing, we'll bring in the pandemic treaty. Then we're all sunk. We've got to stand up. People, stand up. Canadians, stand up. It's time. Now, when I hear people talking like that, I do get a little bit more encouraged and see a little bit of hope on the horizon. But I also know that as we come into these more difficult end times, the fight against Christianity and faith and right and wrong is going to be even more so the battle. It can be depressing to do a radio program like this or even operate a church and and you're not getting the support you believe these people that claim to support you are they're just not giving. But you keep doing it anyway. This past Sunday, I did preach a message talking about All Saints Day that now has behind us on the 1st of November. And I want you to understand our calling as saints and what our job is as the church, which is the living body of Christ. So I welcome you inside the sanctuary of Trinity Chapel in Seven Mile Ford, Virginia. Heavenly Father, as we come to this time that we gather around your word, I pray that you'll open our ears to hear, our eyes to see, and our hearts to receive all that you have for us today. For this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. May be seated. I want to share a couple of quick verses that kind of came to mind as I was listening to that hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. And it almost sets up even better where I wanted to be at today in what I want to share. And this comes from 1 Timothy chapter 6. And I'm just going to share a couple of what seem to be random verses, but they're not. Verse 7, for we bought nothing into this world. It is certain we carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us there be content. And then jumping to verse 19. Laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come, that they may lay hold onto eternal life. Understanding what it means to be a part of the living body of Christ, which is the true definition of the church, is something that many people have a hard time wrapping their mind around. 
what does it really mean to be a Christian? Is it something we believe? It is something that we kind of do occasionally? Is it something that is in our culture? You know, my, my parents may have taken me to church, and if you were raised Presbyterian, Methodist, or Lutheran, you may have been baptized as a little infant. If you're a Baptist or in many other churches, when you became around 12 or 13 or 14, depending upon the time, the culture, and everything else, there was a lot of pressure. I had friends that I knew that would tell me stories when I first moved south. Remember, where I came from, we didn't have a whole lot of Baptists. There weren't that many of them. So I was not familiar. But I can remember many of them telling me the stories like, yeah, when I got to be around 13 and 14, I never heard the end of it. When are you going to go down there and shake that preacher's hand? When are you going to get baptized? When are you going to do that, son? And many of those people, sadly, they would tell and relate this little story. Yeah, finally I gave in, waited till some fall revival, sometimes springtime, and then I, you know, got right with God, and then they arranged to get me baptized. And when they had everybody there, we did it. And funny, I hadn't been back to that church in years. I heard that more times than I cared to discuss. I think of many of the people that I went to school with, a Christian school. Now, granted, we're talking, it was the Stone Ages, and we went to school on a dinosaur, but still. How many of them are still in the faith? How many of them are still active? And, and I'm there's not that many I've kept in contact with, but with the magic of today's technology, there are a number that I do. A few surprise me because they're the ones I least expected to see stay with the faith, and they're the ones that became missionaries and got really right with God. And others that went through the process, many of them, they talk about their vacations and they never go to church anymore. They, they, it's not a part of it. I look at those that I went to high school with. How many of my high school friends that were churchgoers, whether it be in the same church that I attended or the church that they attended faithfully every Sunday, I would say... Out of all the close friends that I had in high school, and I'll call that number maybe 10 to 20, somewhere in there, people that I know. Maybe one, possibly two, and that's it. The others have just simply vanished. They're no longer wanting to be a part. For them, it is what I, a term that I've used many times in preaching and in what I do on the radio. I call this cultural Christianity. It's part of our culture. We were a nation that when you go back to its founding, part of why people came across the Atlantic Ocean to get here was because of religious persecution that they were experiencing in their homelands. They couldn't practice their faith unless it was done a certain way. And if they didn't, they could be penalized, fined, imprisoned, martyred. I mean, it was pretty bad hundreds of years ago.
And so many came to this nation seeking the ability to worship God freely in spirit and in truth. It's why it's enshrined within our Constitution and the First Amendment. The freedom of our faith is not guaranteed by government. It's guaranteed by God. Declaration of Independence talks about the inalienable rights that they're not government given. They're already there. Government, if anything, has to maintain and uphold them and never restrict them. Not that anybody's paying attention to that globally anymore. They're not. The reason I wanted to kind of focus a little bit on this concept of All Saints Day, which comes up on November the 1st, and it's tie into what is considered the Reformation period. Now, let me just quickly give the Reader's Digest version of the Reformation as fast as I can. In the time of people like Martin Luther... And Martin Luther's an interesting character. His family wanted him to be a lawyer. And they and he was well on his way to all the schooling that he would ever need to be a pretty prosperous man. And one one day, and as the legend or story goes, Martin Luther was traveling and he got caught in a horrific thunderstorm. And there was lightning striking all around and even hitting trees. And you could see the branches being blown off. And there he cried out, being raised as a Roman Catholic, which was what they had at the time in that part of what we now know as Deutschland or Germany. You know, Germany never even got that name until the 1800s. Prior to that, it was Prussia and a bunch of other regions. But he cried out and said, St. Catherine... He was used to praying to saints because of his background. If you spare me from this and I don't die, because he was convinced he was going to die, I'll become a monk. Well, Luther, thankfully, was faithful to his word. He survived. He says the storm ceased rather quickly. And I knew I'd made a promise before God. And I was more afraid of not keeping that promise then moving on to becoming a lawyer, so he did. And so he went through the process, became, an, became a monk. If I recall, Augustinian, if I'm not mistaken. And part of his job as a quiet monk, and Luther was not a quiet individual. We know that historically. They had him in a monastery where his job was to go through the Bible and copy it Because, see, the printing press was not yet really on the scene developed to print Bibles. So Bibles were done by hand. And so Luther had mastered, of course, his native tongue, but he had also mastered the biblical languages of Hebrew and Greek and Latin. Very intelligent guy. And so he'd be reading these scriptures Many of that, you know, we, we can just pick up a Bible. We can go to Walmart and buy a Bible. You can get a free one from many ministries if you don't have one. I've got several in my office if anybody ever needs one. And he started seeing things in the Bible that were contradicting what the established church of the day was preaching. 
And he started seeing some corruption and things that were not, mm, not right. Just, as we say back in New York, not kosher. And he started to think, God, what's going on here? Your word says this, but the, the church is saying this? And then even worse, what really got under his skin one day was a guy by the name of John Tetzel. He was kind of like the used car salesman of the day. And he was working for the Vatican, and his job was to raise money to build the Basilica of St. Peter. And what he was doing, he was selling indulgences. See, the church at that time, the Roman church had taught that when you die, you end up in purgatory. And, and there, you know, it could be a terrible experience or a bad experience, but not, never a great experience. And it may last centuries or millennia. We don't know. But the church could give you a dispensation to get out of, you know, like a get out of jail free card. And so Tetzel's running around the Prussian countryside saying, you know, if you put money into this, I can get you an indulgence to shorten your loved one's time in purgatory. The more you spend, the less time they'll be there. What a, what a deal. <laughs> Gee, poor grandpa, he wasn't really that great of a guy. And I mean, we can shorten his time and get him on to heaven. And so, there, and Luther finally had had enough. And so he started writing down from, based on scripture, what he saw as teaching errors of the church of the day. The church in that day used to chain Bibles to the pulpit. It was illegal for you to own one, to possess one, to even touch one, unless you were among the clergy. Forbidden. The church would decide what you needed to know. You didn't need to have this book. You wouldn't understand it if you had one. It's kind of the thinking. Or so they proclaimed and so Luther made a case of what was wrong with the church. He wasn't alone, though very famous for what he did. And what he did on, on what we now know, we call it Halloween. It was known as All Hallowed Evening, the day before All Saints Day, November 1st. Everybody went to church on November the 1st, early in the morning. Everything stopped for that day. And so that night, All Hallowed Evening, he had written out the 95 major issues where the church and the Bible were in disagreement, called the 95 Theses. And the church door at Wittenberg was pretty much the public billboard. Everybody went there to catch the news. That's where you put your notices of everything important. Whether the church had a notice, the government had a notice, whatever that notice was, everybody looked at the door at Wittenberg. So what did he do? He posted them and nailed them to the door at Wittenberg, the 95 Theses. And then, of course, that branded him as a heretic, an outlaw, and the rest is kind of history. I don't think he ever intended for a church to be named after him, and he might be disappointed with what a lot of the churches that are bearing his name. But be that as it may, he started something. Others had tried before. Others had tried to translate the Bible into their vernacular language. Many did. Tyndall, he burned at the stake for doing it, and others. All over Europe and even into England, there were many that wanted to reform the church, even among the clergy of the Catholic Church in England at the time. And this became fortuitous when 
King Henry had a little issue wanting to get an annulment for a marriage, and the Pope said no. And so he allowed the bishops that were already wanting to reform the church to do their thing and break away. It wasn't King Henry's church, but the bishops of the day took advantage of the political situation to finally say, by the way, there's evidence that the church in England has been around since the first century. Legend says, actually pretty substantiated, Remember Joseph of Arimathea, the one that gave Jesus his tomb? He's considered to be one of the first missionaries that traveled with the Roman boats into what we now know as England in the first century. The evidence is there that Christianity has been there since literally before AD 70, when many were going across the globe. And so they felt when... Rome declared supremacy many years later. They were not thrilled about that idea. So there had always been an angst. So they used the politics, and that's where that church started off. The Presbyterians came out of that. The Methodists came out of that. And so you look at all the, 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 what came out of that Reformation period. Now, what's all that have to do with the saints today? Living the life of the church is not a guarantee of happy days and happy times. It's not, a, it's not a guarantee that you'll always have great health, great wealth, great everything, the, the nicest looking kids. You know, there was, the, what was that radio program years ago um, that came from Lake Wobegon? I'm trying to remember what it was. Uh, Prairie Home Companion. We're all, and as you talk about this community, we're all the children are good looking, all are above average. All just, you know, it doesn't, there's no guarantee in the faith that we're going to be, you know, Lake Wobegon. That we're going to have just perfect lives. We face the same challenges as any other human being on the face of the earth. And actually, it can be worse for us because you have sometimes when you are in Satan's playground and you're proclaiming the gospel, Satan fights back and he fights dirty. Job learned that in the Old Testament when God's hand of protection was taken away for a brief period of time because of the challenge, your servant Job doesn't really like you, and he would vanish in a moment. But Job held faithful. When you look at this area in what I mentioned from Timothy, and think of all the other things that Jesus, Jesus talks about the world, you know, the Sermon of the Mount, you know, you, you, the, the Beatitudes and everything, these tell us a lot, but they also, Jesus reminds you, you will be persecuted, you will be hated, you will lose, you may lose everything, including your life for my namesake. He, he didn't withhold that information. Many Christians today just choose not to believe it or accept it. Well, we're in the United States now, we have freedom of religion, and we don't have any persecution. Oh, we do, and it's growing in the background under this. It's bubbling under the surface. And we have an anemic church. Like I say, when I think of all those that went to the same Christian school that I did, how many of them have walked away from the faith? Willingly. They had better things to do. I know in my own life I've had 
periods of time where I was so determined to get my career going, you'd do anything, and that's uh, that was me in my early 30s for a while. I was less and less involved in my church, and then one day I had this reckoning. God got a hold of me and made it clear, what is the most important thing? Your career? Your career could vanish tomorrow. Your company could go bankrupt, which, by the way, later on it did. Not that I, I left by that time. All that you're building for, you're sowing into the things of the earth. You're sowing into dead soil. You're going to get a dead harvest. What are you sowing up for the kingdom? We're not promised a rose garden. We're not promised happiness. We're not, we're not promised all the great things, but we are promised that he will be with us and endure with us all that the world throws at us. My middle name is Stephen, spelled like the saint from the Bible, S-T-E-P-H-E-N. Stephen. And he was the what's called the first martyr. St. Paul held the cloaks of those that were stoning him to death when he was still known as Saul. And Stephen in that pit, as the rocks are being thrown, he's crying out, not for pity, not for help, but he's seeing the vision glorious and going, Lord, I'm ready. This is wonderful. He's seeing what God has in store. All throughout the, 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 the New Testament apostles, they didn't live to be retirement age. They all died for the faith, sometimes brutally. Christians taken to the Colosseum in Rome just to be killed by wild beasts and animals. Nero despised Christians so much that what he would do is he would take Christians and tie them up on a cross, cover them with pitch, and set them on fire to light his barbecue dinners, you know, his outdoor parties, burning the bodies of Christians. Being a Christian back in the first century, second, and even into the third, was not a healthy thing to do. We are blessed, and I think we, we take for granted all that God has given us, that how many of us are being taken by soldiers to be burned for a, at a barbecue to light the evening for fun and festivity? Many have been called to do that. Final thought. I've known a few people and I've had, that I've had the pleasure of meeting. And, and I have met people like Corey Ten Boom, you know, when she came to Toccoa Falls years ago. And I've met, uh, even in mo more modern days, where missionaries have been killed for the faith in, in South America by Alka Indians. I met the widow of one such missionary who never doubted and became even more resolute in her faith in spite of losing her husband and friends who had gone in to minister to these people and instead were slaughtered. The church in Korea, North Korea, is still thriving. The church in China is still thriving even though it's forbidden. They really have to stand up for their faith and take a gamble. But how many of us do? We don't. 
The saints before us are an example. I'll leave it at that. In the early church, final thought, many people would say, God, why have I not yet been martyred for the faith? Am I not worthy enough? They would pray, Lord, all my friends have been killed. They've been stabbed. They've been taken in. They've been crucified upside down, whatever the case may be. But what, why are they leaving me alone? Am I not worthy of your kingdom? No, maybe it's because you have something to do yet for the kingdom. Maybe it's time to focus on what God has for you. To live the life of being a saint is to accept what God has for us without argument and realize he knows better than we and all we need to do is trust, trust on him. He's faithful to carry us through. Nothing is given to you that you can't endure that God won't get you through. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we've been in your word. And in a few moments, we will come to your table and we will commune and we will be with all the saints, past, present, and even yet to come as you can transcend time and space. And, and Lord, it's hard to understand, but as you gave that gift to your disciples and the disciples gives it to the church. Lord, meet our needs in this congregation. May the word that leaves this building today go out and reach and touch and not return void. For this I ask in Jesus' name. And all the congregation said, Amen and Amen. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. For all the saints who from their labors rest, who
For many years, that hymn meant so much to me, and it was sung at so many funerals within my family, that until recent times, just hearing that hymn would overwhelm me with emotion. But now at this point in my life, that same hymn gives me more confidence to face the things that we're going to face in our world today. While we have time, I need to do the work of this radio program. While I am still able, I need to get the church that I'm starting here in Virginia on its own two feet. Ministries such as educating young children for families that don't have a Christian school nearby or their resources are so limited. We have an opportunity to make a difference in the lives of many. This ministry is more than just a program talking about politics. It talks about things that are far greater. And I hope that you understand our calling and our mission and our ministry. We are now in November, 10 months behind us. And we really need your help like we've never needed it before. Would you stand with this program today? Maybe for the first time. You can support us from our website, truth2ponder.com, truth2ponder.com. There is a tab on the menu that says support. We don't have a big thing on the front screen and we don't sell anything. There's no paywall. You can also support us by making a check or money order payable to Ancient Word Radio, Ancient Word Radio, Post Office Box 510. Post Office Box 510. The city is Chilhowee, C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E, Chilhowee, Virginia, and the zip code is 24319. Once again, Ancient Word Radio, P.O. Box 510. Chilhowee, C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E, Chilhowee, Virginia, zip code 24319. That's 24319. This has been Truth to Ponder. With Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, Truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's Truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to Ponder, shining the light of truth in a darkening world.